Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul declared, quote, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. The single most important aspect of our walk with Jesus is that we are real and genuine and authentic, that we are sincere. Oftentimes, we can act in a fake, disingenuine, and pretentious way, and in doing so, impede our relationship with Jesus and with others. Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 12, that we might truly learn what it means to walk in sincere love for Jesus and for others. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Saturday morning here in Texas, a glorious Saturday morning to just be, I'm looking outside the, the studio window and just the beautiful sun, the trees, and just uh, thank you, Lord Jesus. It's just a, a good morning to be loving on Jesus, to be spending time with Jesus, to be spending time in, in the word of God. And remember, Jesus is the living word of God, right? You go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and that means Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So again, when we study the Word of God, when we read the Word of God, as Christians, those who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, in reading the word of God, we're interacting with Jesus. We're growing to know him, growing to walk with him more, and obviously learning to grow to obey him and to repent um, for the areas of our life where we're not living for Jesus. So thank you, Lord Jesus. It's just the greatest privilege of our lives. The greatest privilege of our lives is to live our lives more and more for Jesus. And really this... Uh, you know, these verses in Romans 12, Lord willing, we're going to do 9 to 21 today. Um, and there, there really is no greater verses in the Bible of really showing us how to execute this privilege of living for Jesus, of loving for Jesus, of giving for Jesus and forgiving for Jesus. Wow. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Father, for your love. Father, above all, above all and above that, Father, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live on our own. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we deserve to die and should have died. And we thank you that you're alive and risen today, our savior, our king, our master, our God. And we worship you today, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask that you would give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Romans 9, sorry, Romans 12, verses 9 to 21. Um, and we're going to have a list here of commands from Paul, again, of, of how we are to live our lives for Christ. 
It's perhaps the greatest list in the Bible. We would do well made to study it. We could study this list every week as an exhortation to what Christian living looks like. Sacrificial Christian living. Wow. Romans 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Wow. Yes. See what I mean? I mean, again, now we're going to break these down as we always do verse by verse by verse by verse. But when you just read the exhortations there, when you read the commands from Paul, again, this is how we are to live sacrificially, right? This is what it means to worship our Heavenly Father, to worship Jesus and to worship the Holy Spirit. Living like this is our spiritual or reasonable act of worship. You remember Paul started the chapter, right? Um, where he says in verse one, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, sacrificial living, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship or your reasonable act of worship. And now he's going to tell us specifically in these verses how to do that. Um, and again, so as we go through these verses, really grab hold of them. All right, rap. Scott, listen to these verses. All right. You know, May, Nathan, Kristen, Lauren, listen to these verses and let them sink down into your spirit. All right. Verse nine, love must be sincere. Four words, love must, not might, not should, it must be sincere. It's not love if it's not sincere, right? The great commentary, Matthew Henry said, there is no religion save sincerity. I'm paraphrasing, but I think it was pretty close like that. There is no religion. There is no truth without sincerity. What does it mean to be sincere, Chris? It means to be genuine. It means to be authentic. It means to be real. It means without pretense, right? Love must be sincere, okay? Um, and the reason he's telling us is so much of our love in the church is not genuine love because it's pretentious. It's insincere. It's disingenuine. 
It's not real. It's not authentic. Forgive us, Father. Forgive me where my love has not been sincere. Love, Lauren, must be sincere. Now, what does this mean? Okay, it doesn't mean you're always going to feel like being loving, Stephen. Okay, but it must be sincere and that you're sincerely going to show love in your words, in your actions, in your giving, in your forgiving, because that's what Jesus wants you to do, because that's what his word says. Okay, it's not hypocritical. It's 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 not something that that you're being pretentious in or inauthentic. It doesn't mean you always feel like being loving. But it means you're going to act in sincere love when you feel like it and when you don't. Okay? It's okay to tell someone, I love you. Okay? Even if you don't feel like loving them. Okay? Love must be sincere. It must come from a genuine desire to do what Jesus would have you to do. Wow. Love must be sincere. I mean, there's no better way for this to begin. Again, our entire relationship in Jesus is based on the quality of our sincerity with him. Meaning God cannot move in pretense. God the Father, God the Son, God the, God the Holy Spirit will not move in pretense. What do I mean with that? When we come to them, we can't be fake. It, it, Jesus knows our heart, right, Corinne? He knows when we're being real. He knows when we're being fake. So when you come before him in prayer, just lay yourself bare in sincerity. Just be real about what's in your heart. Be real about your struggles with him. And only in this way will you grow in relationship with Jesus and with your heavenly father and with the Holy Spirit. Love must be sincere. Help us, Father. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. They ought to be two sides of the same coin, right? You know, uh, hating what is evil, hating sin. Again, and this is these are all qualities, by the way, that we grow in. None of us is going to wake up tomorrow and have all these qualities in spades, so to speak, where we're just good at all of them. And in all of these things, we're all in different places. As we grow and mature in Christ, we'll get better at all of these things, little by little by little by little. And we need to be applying ourselves to each of these things more every day in our service to Jesus, right? Hate what is evil, okay? We are told to actually hate evil. As Christians, we cannot hate any person, okay? We have to love our enemies even, but we're called to hate what is evil. This is where we say, you know, you know, hate the sin, but love the sinner, okay? We're to hate what is evil. When we look at the evil in our own lives or the sin in our own lives, right, Kristen? There ought to be a disdain for it. There ought to be a, a hate for it. But while we're hating what is evil, we need to cling to what is good. Sometimes we do one of these or our seasons where we do one of these and it's completely imbalanced. Like we have, we're, we're, we're hating what is evil more and more, but we're not really clinging to the good. There ought to be two sides of the same coin. Hate what is evil, right, Susan? Cling to what is good. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. If you look into verses 9 to 16, you can see how they're really talking about 
our relationships in the church. Now, all of these things have to do with with, with, with relationships we have with people who are Christians and non-Christians, people that are in Christ and not in Christ, right? But when, when, you, when you hear this, right, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, okay? It's, you know, in Christ, we are all part of the body of Christ. We're all part of the same family. We're brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. How do you do that? Honor one another above yourselves. Again, these things are not easy. We live our lives, right, Rap? We live our lives, Becky, so much in thinking about ourselves and me and my life and my wife and my kids and my money and my ministry and my shower and my lunch and my problems and my difficulties. Me, me, my, my, right? Um, we, we are consumed right, with our own lives and, and what we're doing. And I'll say this, if when I say that, you don't recognize this in yourself, then there is something immensely off in your walk with Jesus, okay? Believe it or not, all right, I can say that to someone and they will actually think they don't have that problem. I'm serious. They will actually think, well, I don't think about myself that much. I, I think about others a lot. And, and so what I want to say again is if when I say that, you, you actually think you're doing pretty good. You could actually look at this and say, yeah, I do a great job of being devoted to one another in brotherly love. And I'm just always honoring one another above myself. If you think you're doing great in that, then, then, then there is something off in your vision, and in your view of yourself, okay? I labor to try to live these things out. And when I look at this verse, honor one another above myself, again, I make an effort to do it, but I confess that, yeah, I think I get a C minus if I was to grade myself in this, okay? It's hard to honor one another above yourselves. Be more concerned about their lives, about their ministries, about their problems, about their concerns, about their finances, about their difficulties, about their callings. Yeah, right? That's real, right? Remember when Jesus said the great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You absolutely love yourself. You may not like yourself, but you absolutely, every single person loves themselves Every person that exists loves themselves because all we think about is ourselves, okay? We think about our own lives and our own problems, okay? Again, you may not like yourself, but you certainly do love yourself. So when, said, when Jesus said, love your neighbor as you do love yourself, what he's saying is, look at how you think about you. Look at how your concern is for your life and your needs and your family in your ministry, look at how you're consumed with self-love, meaning just thinking about yourself and your life and your problems and your difficulties and love your neighbor, whoever's nigh to you or near to you, right? Love them like that. Start thinking about their life and their family, their wives, their kids and their struggles and, and all that they're going through, right? It's not easy. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. We ought to have a devotion to one another. Honor one another 
above yourselves. Again, I, how do you even talk about that, right? Above yourselves. Uh, help us, Lord Jesus. Verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. It's interesting that Paul makes this our responsibility. For the vast majority of Christians, they're consistently lacking in zeal. So again, when we read these verses and we examine ourselves, you know, under them, there ought to be just, you know, we ought to just step back for a second and say, golly, you know, how often are we lacking in zeal? How often are we more zealous for Netflix? How often are we more zealous for pickleball? How often were we more zealous for our hobbies? Never be lacking in zeal for Jesus, serving Jesus. Again, living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, right, Melanie? Giving for Jesus, forgiving for Jesus. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. How? Serving the Lord. There ought to be a continual fervor. We ought to be fervent about serving Jesus, right? Yes, we want to, we want to, we want to rest in our relationship with him, but there ought to be a zeal for Jesus, an excitement for Jesus, and an excitement to serve Jesus and his people and his kingdom. Wow. Verse 12. Look at this verse. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Wow. Joyful in hope. Even when our difficulties are there, even when we're going through the difficult times, to be joyful in hope means to have the hope that one day we will be with Jesus, that this whole thing is real, that our Lord and Savior will redeem us either when he comes or at our death. Help us, Holy Spirit, to be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. It's just not easy, Lord. You know, I could just, I just read this and I'm, I, I want to chuckle to the Lord. Yeah, patient in affliction. Okay. Not an easy thing to do, right? Patient in affliction. Okay. Uh, you know, sometimes we believe that we're not supposed to have any affliction. We're not supposed to have any sufferings. And absolutely, we ought to consistently be praying for healing, praying for deliverance, right? Uh, looking for intercession, interceding for others, praying for others in their affliction. But we're called to be patient in affliction. You know, I feel like I'm consistently frankly, impatient in affliction. When I'm going through some sickness or frustration or disorder, uh, you know, whether it's spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, wherever the affliction's coming from, I would have to say I'm still more impatient in affliction than patient in affliction. What does that even look like to be patient in affliction? It means to be cool. It means co to continue to pursue Jesus. It means to continue to, to walk with him and to love him. Right. It means to to not be overwhelmed by the affliction and not be thinking about the affliction. I mean, who can do this? Right. But this is what the word of God tells us to be patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. One of the greatest ways to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction is to be faithful in prayer. How many times throughout the day do you go to the Lord in prayer? This is not a religious exercise. But relationship with Jesus happens in prayer, okay? Prayer for ourselves and prayer to others, okay? Faithful in prayer. You know, uh, it's great if you have prayer times in the morning or prayer times at night, but you can go to Jesus 20 times a day for 10 seconds, 15 seconds, for a minute. Faithful 
and prayer. And the fact is we have to be faithful in it. We don't just do it when we feel like it, right? Faithful in prayer. Verse 13, share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Okay, do you have a need and a caring for your brothers and sisters in Christ in your own home, in your own town, in your own city, in your own country, and in all over the world? Okay, share with God's people who are in need. We ought to consistently be looking to share with God's people who are in need in our own city, in our own country, and absolutely all over the world. People all over the world, yes, have far greater needs, okay? I work deeply with people in India, with people in Africa, who don't have the blessings that people in the United States happen. In the United States, you can go get food Anywhere in any city, in any town, there are shelters, there are places to get food. Again, we still want to help our brothers and sisters in Christ. But in these other countries, people will starve to death. Okay, Um, Share with God's people who are in need. You ought to have a, a heart for the needy. There ought to be a place where you practice hospitality, where you're consider consistently looking to be hospitable and helpful and to be a blessing to those who have less than you. Verse 14, yeah, this is easy now, right? Here's another one. I was talking to my neighbor about this this morning. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Again, is this easy, right? I have failed in this so many times. Okay, in the last several months, I failed in this. I might have failed in this in the last couple of days. Bless those who persecute you. And again, this is speaking of those who are in the body of Christ, in the church, right? We often think of those who persecute us as only non-believers, but also we're, we're, we're often or even more often persecuted by those who are in the church. We're treated selfishly. Uh, we're treated, you know, um, with, you know, people have an attitude of superiority, um, you know, and we ourselves often can persecute. Bless those who persecute you. When you're treated with disrespect, when you're treated in a way that you believe is selfish and self-serving, we are called to be a blessing in the face of that. Again, could it be more counterintuitive? Right, Alicia? Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, okay? When we're being persecuted, our natural human biological instinct, right, Scott, is to persecute back. That's not what Paul is saying. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. What does that mean? Does that just mean you need to be a, you know, a doormat? No, it means you need to be thoughtful and considerate and in control of your emotions, and again, not returning evil for evil. Wow. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. When someone has a blessing in their life, when something comes about in someone's life that's a blessing, you want to deliberately come along and be excited with them, be happy with them, share their joy, and mourn with those who mourn. When people are in difficulty, when they're in trials, when they're in struggles, um, my 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 neighbor Robert just lost three days ago, you know, four days ago. Uh, you know, his best friend, his closest friend, just just died right unexpectedly. She was in Christ, right? She's a Christian. She's at home with Jesus, but he's been mourning, 
And so the Lord has just opened up opportunities for May and I to talk to him. And, uh, you know, we don't, we don't know him really that well, um, but we've been neighbors for 10 years and, uh, you know, uh, you know, we, we were friendly to one another. Right. Um, I, you know, I get his mail sometimes when he's, when he's not in town, but rejoice with those who rejoice mourn with those who mourn. Again, when people are going through struggles and mourning, come alongside there and look to, and look to bring them just, you know, some hope. Look to encourage them in Christ. Mourn with those who mourn. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Again, um, in, in the church, it's, we live in a time where we have 1,100 denominations. And this is, this is just not easy. And we don't do it well. Live in harmony with one another. I'm not, my, my wife is, an, is a professional musician. She's a teacher. Um, she's educated in all this. She has her master's in music. You know, I don't understand how harmony works in music, but we're supposed to work together, live in harmony with one another. How do you do that? Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. How? Do not be proud. Our pride is what keeps us from harmony. And we all struggle with pride, levels of conceit and arrogance. We always know better. Do not be proud. But be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Okay. Oftentimes, even as Christians, we always only want to hang out with those in our circle, right? But be willing to associate with people of low position. Do you have a lifestyle and a willingness to hang out and be around people that have a lower status than you? Or they don't have as good a job as you or a good as position in life than you or as good a finance as you. They're needy. Right. Oftentimes, you know, we don't want to be around that. Right. We just like hanging out with with our own friends and our own class of people, so to speak. Those who are, you know, who have similar finances to us, similar interests to us, similar ideas to us, similar politics to us. Don't get me started. Right. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Right. Never are you more like Christ than you're willing to engage someone that that has a lower status than you, so to speak, in society, you know, a lower status financially. Right. You know, um, you know, because oftentimes we don't want to be bothered with that. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Do not be conceited. Huh. Yes, yeah, Stephen. Right. You know, we're not better than anyone. OK, you're really not better than anyone. Okay. Regardless of where you are in Christ, you may be more mature in Christ. You may have more wisdom. You may know, you may have understanding, but you're not better than any other human being. There is no room for conceit. We may be more educated. We may have made better choices in our life, but that doesn't make us better in person. No human being is better than any other person, right? Regardless of gender, regardless of race, regardless of of ethnicity. We're not better than anyone and there ought to be no conceit. Okay. The idea that we, we, you know, we may think in our minds, we, we don't believe we're superior, but we ought to look in our actions because often many of us in the body of Christ can come off superior. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. We're not. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Wow. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Again, there it is. When wrong is done to us, don't repay it when wrong. When people are sinful to us, don't be sinful to them. Again, I have failed in this in, in the last months. Again, even, and we fail in it in little ways and big ways, right? 
When someone is disrespectful to you, doesn't mean you have to be disrespectful back. When someone's insulting to you, doesn't mean you have to be insulting back. Again, I'm not saying it's easy. I confess. I, I, forgive me, Lord Jesus. Do not. It's a command. Repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. So again, people are watching. We ought to make an effort to do what is right. Not only don't do what's wrong, okay? Don't repay evil for evil, but be careful to do what's right. There's a difference. Again, they ought to be two sides of the same coin. Not doing wrong and repaying evil for evil, but to do what's right, to be a blessing. Verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You notice it says, as far as it depends on you. You ought to look to make amends. You ought to ask forgiveness. But again, you can't agree with what's wrong. You can't agree with something that's with something that's unbiblical. The very fact that it says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, shows that there are times where you may not be able to be at peace. You have to, you have to first, first put the word of God first, but we ought to be able to lower ourselves right, consistently and see the other person's perspective. And again, as long as it's not biblical, as long as it's not going against your conscience, we ought to be instruments of bringing peace. Verse 19, do not take revenge, my friends. The natural human condition wants to take revenge. We want justice. Look what this says. Look what this says. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Okay. So when we take revenge, we take it out of the hands of our heavenly father. We take it out of Jesus's hands. We take it out of the hands of the Holy Spirit. We take it out of God's hands. Okay. It's not for us. We don't know how. It's not for us to take revenge. It's not for us to execute justice. And that is a hard form. We are called to forgive. And here's the thing, and this shouldn't give us comfort, but it gives us a little comfort. If you won't take revenge, this is saying that, that God will handle it and make sure that it's taken. But sometimes we can get worried. Well, what if God shows mercy, Stephen? Right? It's not for us to take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. When you take revenge, you don't leave room for God to do it. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. God has given his word. He'll handle those who've wronged you. On the contrary, verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Wow. Don't only not take revenge, but be a blessing when you've been wronged, when you've been treated evil. Be thoughtful, and in doing this, there'll be this, their conscience will be seared. They won't understand, why would you be treating me good, right? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Look to be a blessing. Now, again, this is not saying to be a doormat, right? But just look to be thoughtful, look to be forgiving, and look to be an overt blessing. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head again. The conviction may come right away, but it will come when you're thoughtful, when you're loving, when you're a blessing to someone mistreats you. Again, the Lord can sear into their conscience that this person you is treating you with love when you've treated them with, with harm or selfishness. And Paul sums it all up. He sums up all these verses in verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And again, this is not easy, Nathan. Do not be overcome by evil. 
don't let evil dictate your behavior, but overcome evil with good. Obeying the word of God, living like Jesus, emulating Jesus. Do not be overcome by evil. Do not act in a sinful way when you are around evil, but overcome that evil by doing all the things that Paul has listed here. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. Father, we ask you to forgive us. I ask you to forgive me, Father. I repent that when I read through this list of exhortations, this list of commands of how to live for you, Jesus, I feel like I failed daily. I ask you to help us, Holy Spirit, convict us, drive us that we could read this, that we could study this, and we can live out these exhortations to have a sacrificial lifestyle of living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, we love you and bless you. Holy Spirit, seal this message to our hearts now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.